Welcome to the Addiction Connection. We like to believe the opposite of addiction is actually connection, and we are going to attempt to educate you and possibly even entertain you while we navigate all topics addiction. Hi, I'm Dr. Kirk Devine. And I'm Dr. Heather Bell, and we both provide primary care and addiction services. It's our goal to help you learn more about the disease of addiction and its treatments. Okay, this is episode 49. Welcome back, everybody. Big topic today. We're back on our drugs that most people consider safe. Number three in the series. Yeah, and this is Wellbutrin. No, you have to tell them how you typically say it. No, it's bupropion. We okay. can't use trade names. We used Seroquel. Ooh, we shouldn't have. No. Quit okay. Bupropion. 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 Can you say that other word again? I'm not gonna. Your way. Do it. I've had some trouble with enunciation. Yeah. Anyway. So when did bupropion enter the market? 1966 when Kurt was entering kindergarten. Actually, I was. I know. I can math quickly. In Miss head. Nelson <laughs> in Circle Pines. Yeah. And that was from GlaxoSmithKline. Uh, they actually uh, had the patent to that uh, in 1974. There you go. Um, so it was original dosing was 400 to 600, but a lot of people were having a lot of seizures. So really, though, once they kind of got that all figured out, the, the FDA actually didn't even approve it to be used in the U.S. until 1989. It's like, whoops, everybody's having seizures. Um, and it was actually designed to be kind of a safer alternative to other antidepressants. That seizure thing wouldn't like, go along with safer. But uh, they lowered the doses. Uh, so, yeah, it, it was just something back then. What else was there for depression? You know, the tricyclics, mm-hmm. other things, which uh, really there wasn't a lot else. Well, and I'm going to jump ahead a half a second, but the study from 2001, you know, they said that they, they safer alternative and tricyclics, the problem was when you compared bupropion to tricyclics, they had no weight gain. And it did actually did well with weight loss, depending on the dose and duration, actually resulting in people having a 2 to 10% weight loss. Man, I need to take in that. that study. <laughs> but I think that... Uh, no. The interesting thing is, you know, and I know that people would find this hard to believe, but I was actually, you know, in training uh, before there were a lot of this whole serotonin uptake inhibitor stuff. And so TCAs were a very common drug that was used. And I can't tell you how many overdoses... I saw on uh, TCAs in the ER. So that was a very common problem back mm-hmm. in the old days. I'd, um, I'd ride my horse to the ER and it'd be like, not good. My goodness. I don't even have words for that. But in 2002, then another study, you know, they really showed though, however, when this med came out, it was initially TID dosing. A um, lot of compliance issues. Patients were not good at taking it because who wants to remember to take a medication three times a day? So they dropped it to twice daily. But that still results in some compliant issues until they came up with the, of course, extended release versions. Yeah, which worked way better. But how does it work? Well, well. Um, well which is why they call it. It's a hole in the So the mechanism of action, it, it, you know, first off, let's just say this. It's a, apparently if you're a, chemist you want to know this that's an amino ketone antidepressant it's really structurally different at the time than anything else that came out that was marketed as an antidepressant but one of those big red flags similar to tianeptine and you know europe is that the mechanism is not fully understood 
Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that, that kind of scares me a bit. It's like, it works, just give it to them. We just don't know why. Yeah, so it... So what they do know is it's relatively weak inhibitor of norepinephrine and dopamine uptake. Uh, and it didn't inhibit the uh, MO, MAOs. So, you know, those were the main things that they knew. And they also, over time, understood that it, it didn't really inhibit it, the, the reuptake of serotonin. So it's not an SSRI. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, in, interestingly, when we've talked about teneptine previously, and I'll just go off in the weeds for a second, that was studied as well when that, that was used in antidepressant in Europe, and it was also found not to inhibit the reuptake of serotonin, and uh, they didn't know why it worked, but of course it ended up being more of a mu receptor thing. But, but yeah, just off in the weeds for a moment. Not saying that this is a mu receptor thing. It just no. is ironic when you don't know the mechanism. Yeah. Um, one of the metabolites actually also inhibits the reuptake in norepi. So really, the mechanism is thought to be dopaminergic and or noradrenergic. Yeah. This is an interesting drug. Uh, it really has that peak plasma level really within just two to three hours. Um, and so it is metabolized mostly in liver. Mm-hmm. And, Significantly. Uh, and, and with overdoses, boy, you know, you get some pretty significant problems as far as major side effects. Yeah, the three different body systems, if you will, neurological, cardiac, and GI. And I think the biggest ones... To, to take home is, you know, seizures, hallucinations, and then the QT prolongation and tachycardia, and then just a lot of vomiting. Yeah, seizures, never a good side effect. <laughs> no. uh, there was a black warning, black box warning on suicidality. And again, you know, we see that with a lot of the antidepressants. Uh, interestingly, this is only under age 65. Uh, so there are people who are old that it doesn't apply to. They just don't have any you know, norepi and all that kind of left around. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, I, that the, doesn't even excite me. The anymore. neurotransmitters are just like, I'm already That's... going slowly. Anyway, so what is the proof for FDA wise tobacco cessation? Um, name brand for that is was Zyban. Just, I'm going to say that just so people make that association. Yeah. Uh, unipolar depression, seasonal affective disorder. And actually in pediatrics, it actually has a few extra FDA approvals, ADHD, depression. Um, smoking cessation has limited data. Um, so it's kind of that gray zone, but a few more indications in kids. But, but. let's talk about off-label use. And there's a few. Just a couple. Yeah. Now, I've seen it used uh, some for ADHD off-label, uh, bipolar depression. And uh, this is an interesting one. It's to offset sexual dysfunction that people get with SSRIs. This is quite common around here anyway. I see that a lot, actually. Oh, really? I do. Okay. Not personally. Oh, I didn't know where you were going with that. I was <laughs> like, okay, that's a little personal. but um, And in, in general anxiety disorder. Now... Uh, Interestingly, and she talked about this in a, just a moment ago, the weight loss. And, you know, it's there. there is a, a lot of people, although I think with some of the antidepressants, there's weight loss associated with them. They're actually, uh, fluoxetine was actually shown to give people weight loss, but that seemed to plateau at a year. Right. And this one, you know, again, 2 to 10% related to the duration. And they, they, they think it's because apparently there's this medication that I've never honestly heard of, diethylpropion, so it sounds very similar, that is an anorexant and sympathomimetic amine, of course. I like the way you just, that rolled off your just, tongue. I'm, I am Let quite me try intelligent. That. Let me try that. Anorexant and sympathom, 
Sympathomimeticamine. Okay, but it, you, you stuttered. I know. <laughs> so they used to use it. I don't know if they still use it in, as a treatment for intermittent obesity treatments. Every once in a while, they'd give you this dialopropion. But anyway, off-label for Wellbutrin or yeah. bupropion. Yep, I'm me. up a couple pounds. Just going to... No, never mind. So side effects again, the biggest one, lowering that seizure threshold. Um, now, here's the funny part. I mean, so I don't know. This that, was one of those other off-label potentials. Yeah. In 2016, there was something that came out that said, you know, this might be useful in the treatment of uh, cocaine and meth, meth use uh, disorders. And, of course, it's interesting because people often, you know, say that Propropion when snorted is very similar. Correct. So the the question is, and there's always that question is, well, then should we use it for that? But that it has been studied for that. So I remember when we did a talk on a methamphetamine use disorder and psychiatrist. Um, yeah. Oh, Lisa Lisa Lindquist from Alaska. We actually asked this question. Well, what about using bupropion for for methamphetamine use disorder? No, there is no studies that show a positive. Like. That was a hard stop in her presentation. She had other drugs. Correct. Uh, And again, just so people know, there are some drug interactions, of course, with MAIO inhibitors. Uh, There's a lot of dangers. MAOI? I said that. No, you said IO. Ooh. Uh, But there are some dangerous interactions. And then then these other ones, which I'm going to let you say, other than selegiline. Selegiline, linazolid, phenazine. Yeah. Drugs that we almost never use. So I'm not going to run into this. but there are like 200 different drugs that there's reactions to, but these are the ones that are probably most severe. So if you are looking at the incarcerated population, which of course we have a special interest in now, of course, the Federal Bureau of Prisons in their formulary is very specific on the use of uh, bupropion. So this is actually the same verbiage in 2016 and in 2019, which was the last one that I could find. Well, I keep wanting to say it that way. Bupropion is restricted to bipolar depression and or ADHD. However, the inmate must have no history of diverting literally anything in, in jail or in, you know, the community world. That was a little bit more of a gray zone. No history of seizures. It has to be crushed and dissolved in water in order to, to dose it. Um, and if they're getting it for bipolar depression, they must already have a mood stabilizer and or an antipsychotic on board, and they must have failed therapy on three other formulary agents in order to get bupropion. So probably in all of Minnesota, there's like three people getting it. That's a lot of that's a lot of criteria, should, right? <laughs> well, ADHD, it's even harder. They will have to have failed non-pharmacological and counseling. Must have anger management skills for a minimum of six months. They must have failed all noradrenergic reuptake inhibitors after med regimens and documented for at least six weeks each. So basically failed the zipramine and imipramine, nortriptyline, venlafaxine. Wow. They have to have an evidence of inability to function in a correctional environment. Um, to be clear, I don't think I could. Right. Um, um, and they, if they had a history of drug, drug abuse, that had to be documented and that really brought it down. Yeah, so, they're not approving good luck. It at all for smoking <laughs> no. in, in the jails. No. So misuse. How do people use it? Oh, man. Misuse it. A lot of people do. They call it, they have a lot of cool names for, for it in the correctional system. Poor man's cocaine, uh, which I have heard uh, mm-hmm. previously. I like wellies, uh, dubs. And what they call it dubs because W, 
for so Wellbutrin. Yeah, dubs. And Barney's because this is my favorite. Yeah, because sometimes it's purple. You know, purple uh, pill, purple, purple pill. Like Barney the dinosaur. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so what people describe it as is a high similar to cocaine, less intensity. Um, people use it nasally. They're so snorting it. IV. They also smoke it. I love this tidbit. When it's injected, it'll often cause skin ulcers, which I didn't know until we were doing this research. So you always think of like the skin ulcers and lesions related to meth use. But if they're injecting uh, bupropion, could cause skin ulcers. Yeah, but clearly, you know, out of the correctional system, probably methamphetamine is probably as cheap. So yes. it's like, yeah. I'll, Unless they're getting it from their doctor. Yeah. But in the correctional system, you'd want to be thinking, well, butrin, or excuse me, bupropion. So, yeah, diversion, interesting. You liked this. I did. It was very interesting that if, often that if people were crushing it and then having patients, uh, you know, try and swallow that and put it in their mouth, the inmates would put cotton balls in their mouth, try and get all of this crushed part in the cotton ball, dry it, and then get the debris out of that to use. So or to sell or to, or to sell yeah, or use within um, yeah. because because the big issue, of course, is if you take it orally, you're just not going to get the euphoria. And so the goal is to use it a different way. And most common is snorting it, nasally insufflating. Yes, that's the fancy terminology. Mm. And so. of course, misuse is is really probably due to that effect on the dopamine and the norepinephrine. I mean, we have to assume that. Mm-hmm. And when you do crush it and uh, snort it, it actually has a higher affinity um, f- the neurotransmitters do. So in, obviously it's a faster uptake because it's brought right in. And so that is the preferred method. Um, and then there's obviously no liver metabolism because you're not taking it orally. No but first pass. No first pass. So major side effects and complications. Mm. Obviously the seizure threshold. Yeah. And so that, uh, that's really seizures of all forms, right? So uh, it's interesting because we had read a number of things and how, uh, especially on Arrowwood, how patients that would take it, you know, every 20 minutes or every 30 minutes. And if you think about the dosage going up that quickly, uh, clearly related to the seizure disorders if, if you get higher dose quicker. Mm-hmm. So often you'll see the seizure within hours of taking it, but it can be delayed up to 24 hours. So it's not going to be probably much beyond that. Um, Typical dose associated with seizures is 4.4 grams, which is not a little bit. Yeah, I'm almost having a seizure reading that. That's a lot. So, and of course the risk is fast. (laughs) Wow. The, The risk factors for actually... Having a seizure when you take it or actually, well, a history of seizures, mixing it with a little alcohol. Uh, and, of course, if you take this and you're in benzodiazepine withdrawal, that doesn't turn out so well for you. And I guess I can kind of understand how people might want to do that to offset that withdrawal. But uh, obviously, benzo withdrawal can increase your seizures, too. So combining them, not awesome. People with eating disorders have an increased risk of seizures, and that's usually because of the, um, <laughs> oh my gosh, just the difference in your uh, 
like your sodium, your potassium, and all those wonderful chemicals. So you're place. talking metabolic issues. Thank you. Oh and then, I, I was just sitting here waiting if I, to see if I had to save you because you couldn't find the word. Exactly. And then people with a history of head trauma or organic brain disease. Well, geez, you are at risk. So one of the things, one of the things it does, of course, is it widens that QT. So I, that's just another thing to think about. Uh, so if you're medicine. using it an adjunct, adjunct to an SSRI, like mm, citalopram, which also widens your QT, I don't recommend that then. Yeah. And death, of course, are fairly rare. 0.5% of people who uh, use this actually succumb to it. But again, the most common issue is that ventricular dysrhythmia and cardiac collapse. <laughs> so a couple different articles. This one was kind of fun. Barbu. Barbu. JAMA, 2013. First case of IV use. So they did, again, discuss the lowering the seizure, th- seizure threshold, especially in uh, overdose. Um, th- there are people who have IV Bupropion dependence. <laughs> wow. Wow. However, a bunch of bees in there. This, uh, this but, first but. case that was identified by this group did not um, end up with a seizure activity. But um, a lot of people will have a sustained addiction to, to bupropion because they're trying to take it because of smoking cessation. And so mm. that's a way to keep the drugs out there, the bupropion out in the market, is because people are using it for smoking cessation. Um, and then, like we had kind of already mentioned, uh, the stimulant effects do vary with the route of usage. But this was kind of, I mean, it was neat to hear about those first case of IV, and, but I think they were just as surprised as I was is that this person didn't have a seizure. Not that day. Not that day. So then there was an article in 2016. I don't remember where, we, where, we, where that was from. Stasis? Stasis? No. Yeah. I don't even know how to say his name. Whatever it sounds like. But anyway, there were 975 reports to the U.S. Poison Control between 2000 and 2012. And... Uh, there was 3.3% single substance cases that involved bupropion. Yes. And if you look at the prevalence between 2000 and 2012, the, in- the prevalence increased by 75% of bupropion ingestions and calls into poison control during that time. I mean, that's a pretty big jump. And then it declined slightly in 2013. Yeah. So it's it kind of really came into its own, you know, 2010, 2009, mm-hmm. and just kind of took off from there. But the majority of people who did have uh, calls or did have uh, overuse of this were ages 13 to 29. Man, at 13, I was still just riding my bike. I know, right? It's like, so, hey, you want to snort this? No, I'm riding my bike. So the side effects on this thing are really pretty interesting. These are the side effects that were called into Yes, for overdose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When people have taken excessive doses, you know, the most common one is what you'd expect, which is tachycardia. It's like seizures is a third of the calls. That'll usually generate a call. But that's a lot. It is a lot. Mm. Um, And of course, a lot of people just get agitated on this or occasionally hallucinate um, and tremor. So, but really seizures and tachycardia, those are your big hitters. And according to this study of the poison control, majority, vast majority were ingestion. So people just took a whole boatload. So whether it was a suicide um, threat or whatever, but there were 30 of the cases of the 900 used two different routes. Mm. Hey, that didn't work. Mm -mm. Let me try this. But yeah, of those cases, uh, there, you know, there were 734 ingestions, but there was almost 200 nasal Mm -hmm. insufflations. So, you know, I think 
I would say most often when I've heard about it now, it's been still snorting. Right. And when they looked at what route created the most seizures, it really didn't matter in this study. Um, so any of the, the routes did cause increased seizures. Um, and in the study, there were four deaths, which kind of fit with that percentage of 0.5% of deaths. Um, so, yeah. So if you're in the uh, correctional facility doing correctional medicine, Dr. Bell, you know, when should you suspect that there's a problem? You have to think about it whenever there's a seizure, especially mm-hmm. if it's a first-time seizure. Yeah. So as far as who's diverting it, so according to 2004 U.S. Bureau of Justice Statistics, diversion of this population, 69% of inmates at the state level were diverting their bupropion and 64% at the federal level. Yeah, so basically if you're giving this medication out, almost two-thirds are not actually taking it. Yeah. Okay, I wanted to end with this because this is the exciting part. So these are direct quotes off of Arrowhead. About what the effects are. Correct. So this first first person had taken nasal, snorted just 150 milligrams, so a pretty standard dose. Um, This is a quote, after about 20 minutes of nasty drip, my brain perked up notably. Colors became more vivid. Sorry, this is an aside that reminded me of Sasha Sogan when it's... Yes. Anyway. Um, to resume, I felt more enthusiastic and a bit giggly. After 45 minutes, I was pepped up good. Not the edgy nerves of ephedrine, but the more subtle stimulation of a small dose of good coke. Over the next four hours, my high peaked gently and faded away before being lost in the common fizzle of my mind. You know, Very inter- poetic. Yeah, interestingly, quote. so if somebody says, you know, yesterday colors seemed to be more vivid than normal, they either got their cataracts replaced... <laughs> Or they they potentially use well your friends they're probably referring to their cataracts my friends I'm even too old for that that's just what my grandma said she goes wow things are so colorful hmm. it wasn't bupropion it was her cataracts removed and replaced so somebody said on Arrowwood similar to a crappy line of white color drape which is that whole you know vivid colors it wasn't a good trip but it wasn't bad mm-hmm. unquote. Okay, I'm going to only read the last one, and then you can end with that one okay. sentence. So another one, quote, Then I started to see things. I saw a black cat zip around the room at blurry speeds. Colors and shapes move spontaneously along the walls. I began to feel very stupid and embarrassed. Every time I laid back down, I needed to throw up. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> yep. like fun. And the last one, I felt like I could conquer the world. That's how I feel every day. Oh, my goodness gracious. Uh, and I don't take uh, bupropion. So that was our friend bupropion and how it's misused. I hope that was useful to somebody, to, to anybody, really. To anybody. If, if there's just anybody out there that's listening that thinks that was useful, let us know. Yes, and I think next week our safe drug number four we're going to talk about is trazodone. Oh. Isn't that what we decided? Yep, know it well. <laughs> All right, so with that, thank you, and next week is number 50. Yep. We'll let uh, Battle Legs uh, add a little song, and hopefully you'll listen next week. Little boxes made of ticky tacky little boxes on the hillside, little boxes.
is all the same There's a green one and a pink one And a blue one and a yellow one And they're all made out of ticky-tacky And they all look just the same And the people in the houses I went to the university Where they were put in boxes And they all came out the same And there's doctors and lawyers And business executives And they're all made out of ticky-tacky And they all look just the same And they all play on the golf course And drink their martinis dry And they all have great children And the children go to school And the children go to summer camp And then to the university Where they are put in boxes And they all come out the same Now they all live on the hillside And they all look just the same 